0: Perhaps the, the benefits of tutoring can be scaled out to the masses. And so that evolved to, to numerate where, you know, what we realize what we're doing is that we're looking now to imagine if you can digitize and record the knowledge of every single educator or student or anyone who has some mastery over any subject, subtopic, or even way of explaining a problem record that, and then make it universally accessible to as many students as possible in a very personalized way.
1: Welcome, everybody. I'm Mark Peter Davis, Managing Partner of Interplay. On this podcast, I interview innovators about their strategies, industries, and decisions. This week, I chat with Nan Ma, CEO and co-founder of Numerade. Numerade is democratizing access to STEM tutoring by using AI and short-form videos to help kids around the world. What I find so inspiring about their mission is that they're bringing supplemental learning to students that can't afford traditional private tutoring. Interplay is proud to be an investor in this company. And Nan is a really savvy tech founder. He's an ex-Googler and just knows how to run a business. Numerate is based out of Los Angeles, Nan's hometown. And in this episode, Nan shares a bit about his personal journey, which is super inspiring. If you follow the thread of his story, it seems as though he was destined to start this company. In this conversation, we cover Numerade, how learning varies across countries, how education is evolving in the US, and so much more. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Bowery Legal. Bowery Legal provides a complete range of legal services to high growth companies. They do everything from formation, employment, partnership agreements, stock grants, corporate matters, and venture capital and debt financings. If you're interested in learning more, visit BoweryLegal.com. Welcome, Nan. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for being on today. Appreciate
0: Forrest. it. Of course. So let's start off. Do you mind giving just a quick overview of your background? Yeah, definitely. So I uh, grew, up, grew up and raised in LA uh, with, you know, with the school here through public and then private school was fortunate to go into private school here in LA, then ultimately went out to uh, the East Coast, um, you know, and, and went to Columbia for four years there, majoring in economics and psychology. Uh, shortly after that, did the whole two-year stint in finance, um, realized that hey, that wasn't for me. Uh, then moved back out to the, to the to the West Coast in the Bay Area, worked at Google for a while, um, a collective uh, seven years. In between that, actually left uh, after four years. Um, this is after stints in um, sales, strategy, analytics, and operations. Did my first startup out in New York. It was, uh, we were the anti-Groupon at that time. And then we able to uh, pivot towards a, a social music uh, site. Unfortunately, that re- didn't really get to a point where we can scale the business. So we ended up selling that off. I boomerang back into Google, where um, I was uh, the product lead for their digital marketing uh, uh, platform, uh, the programmatic ad business. And during that time was working on uh, my, my side business, which was uh, in ed tech. And that eventually uh, led to what you see today, which is Numerade. Su- super quick, high level. That's
1: awesome. Okay. A couple of questions for you. First, what town are you from in LA? I was born and raised in West Covina. So uh, from out there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we live in Pasadena now, but I grew up in South Central LA. So east of the 110 freeway. And so uh, definitely in the area, grew up in the eighties and nineties. Um, that's got a tough rap. Was that a, was that a difficult childhood for you or what was the deal? Definitely wasn't easy. Uh, I would say that, you know, my parents came over as Vietnamese refugees, which were Chinese Vietnamese refugees and they were the second wave of migration. So the Chinese had left Vietnam, escaped communism. My family, unfortunately, not all their property was taken away. And so they settled in Houston, but they shortly moved uh, over to, to LA and, At that point, you know, we didn't have any anything at all. So, you know, the the most affordable place in LA was South Central LA. So, uh, I think growing up, it was it was definitely hard in the sense that we were the only Chinese Asians in that area. Um, So, a lot of it was my brother and I just had to really fend for ourselves to figure out, you know, how how we can actually survive. But ultimately, it was it was um, you know both of us um, kind of coming together, um, partnering in a way that um, made it work in a, in a sense, but definitely not, not easy, not easy. must've been a hell of a culture shock showing up at Columbia university. I gotta say that. it's uh, so I went through the LA USD school system, right. Um, you know, from kindergarten through if, uh to junior high. Um, so this was in the eighties and early nineties. So um, everything that, you know, of South Central LA, that was, that was clear. Um, but actually my biggest culture shock was actually in, in high school. Uh, I was fortunate to get a, a scholarship through a program called A Better Chance that allows for, you know, inner city kids to get into these uh, college preparatory schools. And so I was able to get a scholarship into a school called Campbell Hall, which is an amazing school, amazing friends and connections there. But my, my biggest culture shock was there, um, going from South Central LA to a school in, in the valley where now tuition is, is nearing that of an Ivy League, which is crazy. Um, Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. Got it. So, so you had already been acclimated a little bit from high school. And definitely. Early.
0: Definitely. Now, now I'd say going into Columbia was a different type of culture shock. I think the, the level of, 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 of students there and just the, the you know, the, the caliber was just at a different level. Um, so I'd say it's, uh, both were definitely challenging in, 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 in culture shocks, but I think the, the early days kind of helped build that, that sense of, um, what we have to do to, to survive in these certain situations. And so I think that was, that was super helpful.
1: I love the self-made story because it's so much more fun to root for folks in that situation. And I know you're out doing great things now, which we're going to get into. So kudos on that. Um, what, you want to start off by telling us about Numerade Cause I know you're off to the races with this one. And it's a big concept. Yeah. I think people would love to hear the scoop.
0: Yeah. So. We've been working on numerate for the past two and a half years, but it's actually been a seven, eight year journey to get to this point. And as I mentioned, you know, back in the day when I was at in towards the tail of telling my, uh, of my career at Google, we, we were, we were starting to, to dabble and think through really a larger concept within education. And, and, you know, given the background I had, um, it, it was clear to myself, my co-founder, Alex, um, that there, there are these, um, discrepancy of access towards educational opportunity, right? And so when we came together, we created a, a different company uh, seven years ago called TutorCast that actually evolved into Numerate. And so what we wanted to do initially was to decrease the cost of tutoring, right? So a lot of my peers at my private school had tutors. I would go home, right? And that that wasn't the case with all the peers I grew up with, and so. We wanted to decrease the cost of tutoring by, by building this platform for synchronous tutoring. Now, in a post-pandemic world, and what you see, that's kind of the, the norm now, right? Being able to go online with distance learning. But, but back then, um, this was still new and so we wanted to decrease the cost of tutoring uh, using the synchronous model. And we, so we sold it to a lot of independent tutors, tutoring agencies, and even community colleges. The reality was it's really hard to decrease the cost of tutoring using a synchronous model because you're dealing with a finite constraint. Mm. That finite constraint is a tutor's time. So uh, a great tutor in the Upper East Side of New York uh, who's who's tutoring SAT will continue to charge $300, $400, $500 an hour for, for her tutoring. So there had to be a different model. And what we realized was that using a short form video approach can actually work because when we looked at tutorcast one of the uniqueness of tutorcast was that you can actually record all the sessions and so an interesting behavior emerged students were going back into their their replays to review the content over and over again and when we did quality assurance on the these videos we realized that tutors were providing these explanations uh, on how to approach certain problems so the content was interesting and also the behavior of the students was one such that you know, they were actually learning deeper by going back and reviewing content in their own space and time, but also getting the reps in, right? especially with STEM education. You, you have to get the reps in to learn the material. And so that was a, that was a big light bulb moment for us. We realized, you know, what if we can take that content and scale it out to the masses? And perhaps the, the benefits of tutoring can be scaled out to the masses. And so that evolved to, to numerate where, you know, what we realize what we're doing is that we're looking now to imagine if you can digitize and record the knowledge of every single educator or student or anyone who has some mastery over any subject, subtopic, or even way of explaining a problem, record that and then make it universally accessible to as many students as possible in a very personalized way. And so numerate was, you know, has that foundation of what we're trying to do. And I would say, you know, as we moved from, you know, the, the original mission to lower the cost of tutoring, you know, we want every single student in the world to not even have to pay anymore for, you know, $50, $40, even $20 an hour per, per hour for a tutor. They can, they can actually reap the benefits of tutoring through our platform. And so when we think about what we're doing, um, we're in a larger mission now because, we realize what we can do, which is to support students at an earlier age um, to graduate more students into the STEM fields, right? And, and the reason why you want to do this—I mean, if you look at the past, you know, few few months or twelve months or so—and more, uh, it's amazing how we've been able to get to a vaccine in twelve months, right? There's so many more problems and issues facing humanity, and our fundamental belief is that. Uh, graduating more folks into the STEM fields will help alleviate uh, a lot of these problems more so. And the rate of progress within humanity would just be accelerated at, f- at a much faster pace. And so we want to start young with, uh, w- with, with middle school students uh, for now, where the student who is in South Central LA or East LA who doesn't have access to a tutor is able to get the support they need to understand pre-algebra, geometry, trigonometry and continue to get the support they need because we know within this, within this, this period, Oftentimes, um, you know, if you don't get the support you need, you fall off the STEM track. So we want to continue to provide that reinforcement to the student and support throughout their academic career in in a in, in, in STEM. And so essentially, what we're building is an AI tutor that leverages all this all this type of content.
1: So that um, that mission, obviously, the, the the broader mission, as you know, resonates with us. You know, what we're trying to do, what we hope to do, is play a role in helping to accelerate innovation as well. I think it's probably a mission that a lot of people in the entrepreneurial ecosystem share. Uh, But the more narrow tactical approach here of doing that by getting um, delivering access to tutoring to people who maybe can't otherwise afford it, does that come from your personal background, Uh, the experiences you were telling? It sounds like it evolved the way you tell it out of the work you were doing at Google and what you saw and what you learned. But having, we just went down that rabbit hole in your story a minute ago, when you put those two things together, they do, see, they do seem to fit pretty well. So is this a, a little bit of a personal mission as well, or um, is it just merely the opportunity you saw at Google and it happens to sound like it
0: might be a personal mission? Definitely personal mission, right? I, I think that is, as an op- entrepreneur, I think that, that's, that's critical to continuing forward with, with what you need to do to, to get to the next step. But this is definitely a, a personal mission. I would say, you know, get, definitely getting to my, into this, um, into this high school and getting into Columbia, you know, a lot, a lot of folks did have these access points to tutoring. And, and, and I see so many other folks in, in various areas within LA and you know, throughout the, throughout the, throughout the world who, who, who lack that access, uh, particularly with tutoring to begin with. And so it is definitely a, a personal mission. But I think with, you know, working at Google was was a it was a hugely insightful and, and transformative uh, experience for me, where it, it 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 gave me the insight of um, how technology can play in 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 making information just accessible to as many as many people as possible. And so, um, I think those two were were, were key factors to uh, you know, how 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 Numerate evolved.
1: Have you seen? I know I want to get a little bit more into the company, yeah. but while we're on this thread of social impact. Have you seen any patterns in usage or acknowledgement from people maybe who couldn't afford tutoring otherwise? Do, do you know that it's reaching the folks you want
0: it to? Most definitely. Definitely. Uh, you know, we, we have over over 20 million students who've used our products. Um, you know, I would say that the feedback that we've gotten has been uh, overwhelmingly positive in the sense that um, it, it's all a strata of, of socioeconomic background. So, we have students... You know, in, in, in different areas within it, really the world, be able to access, um, this, this, this content and service. And, the, and, and we're hearing this directly from students saying that we've been able to, um, help them get into the college they want, help them get the A in the, in the physics course where they couldn't afford tutoring. Um, and so, and, yes, I say those are the stories that help us continue on this mission. Of, of continue to provide the best product and service to these folks.
1: Those are really powerful anecdotes as a founder. We um, recently launched a, a, a kind of social good service, a company called thunder.vc, which matches entrepreneurs, angels, and VCs. And just this week, someone emailed us and said they found that, told us they found their lead investor on it. That's awesome. It is super uplifting when you put yourself out there to build something like this uh, and you hear that people are getting value from it. So kudos to you. Are you putting those testimonials on the homepage and all that? Or are they, we got
0: some. <laughs> we got uh, some.
1: Yeah, definitely. Some, yeah. Okay.
0: okay. I bet you there's a lot, though. 20 million people. There's a lot. Yeah, there's, just, there's <laughs> it's kind of way too many right now. But uh, definitely some great feedback. That's awesome. So can you take us through how this
1: platform is different than some of the other uh, solutions out there? There's a number of um, strong players in the you know, digitizing education space. How do you think about, you know, your positioning and how it's different and how it's complementary to what people need? Yeah.
0: When we think of Numerate um, and the way students interact with Numerate is this, um, I think the key key metric to talk through is your average video length is actually very short. It's about two minutes. So, it fits the Gen Z consumption pattern. So, you got a two-minute video on average, but your consumption times are, are six to seven minutes. Our students are re-watching the the videos over mm. and over again, getting to specific moments in that video, right um, but when we think about you know how this works and and, and the larger notion of, of, of how we how we differ, you know we we, we are creating the, the AI tutor um, system and and, and really uh, overall service out there that br- that brings in a human element to it when we think of What's happening out there in the AI tutor landscape, um, these are, there's a lot of calculators out there that you, know, uh, you can take a picture of something and then you get a step-by-step step and an answer. Uh, we think that's fine, that's okay, uh, but that doesn't really help drive deep learning. Right? Deep learning comes from sight, sound, narrative. It, it comes from the human element of, of learning. My mom was a teacher back in Vietnam. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur in Vietnam as well. And so it, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm in the ed tech space. Um, it's all coming together. Uh, but when we think about teaching, it requires a person to deliver that to the student, right? My son goes to the mathnasium, right? And, and, um, there's a specific way the teacher there teaches how to, how to add and solve, right? And so it's hard to capture that right now from a strictly, you know, uh, kind of a, a calculator type of approach. And so. Our biggest differentiator is the fact that we tap into humans to then articulate how to solve particular problems and, and, and shine a light on the concepts, right? So we have over 1.5 million videos, right? Um, you know that, wow. that's that's looking to to expand in, in a really big way, um, and so starting with video is is really the biggest differentiator. And so as a student, they'll come to us through an inquiry, right? And so oftentimes you'll see students. They have, you know, they have hard, you know, they, they have um, questions. They will always have questions in STEM. When I was, you know, taking my Cal course, chemistry, physics, you know, you always had questions. And so it's really hard for a student in a classroom environment to raise their hand, right? It's, you don't want to look stupid. And so oftentimes they would go online to find resources. And, and every single time they do that, you know, that's a, that's a potential inquiry that, that tells us that students, they still need help with certain items. And so, you know they'll come to us. They'll see other competitors, but when they see us, they they, they they're 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 greeted by an actual educator that has provided this this uh, custom video that allows them to deeply understand how to approach a problem. And so, as a student goes onto the site, you know, so back in Google, I was uh, I was the product lead for the digital marketing, um, you know, uh, platform there, the, the programmatic ads business, and. One of the key technologies there, and it's going to be no longer the case soon in the cookie list world, was the concept of cookie, where, you know, everywhere you go on, on the internet, the cookie is your profile of your behavior, and you, you get targeted ads based on that, right? And so, you know, for us, we leverage the student profile in a very similar context. So instead of instead of pushing consumerism of, of stuff that folks may not need, we're, we're building out a, a student profile, which is a detailed accounting of what of what a student is learning where their where their their gaps are in their knowledge as inferred by their their watch history so essentially we are building the TikTok for education so whenever a student go you know comes to the site um as they go on to other sites we know the next sequence of 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 kind of problems concepts and we're looking to identify gaps in their knowledge as well based on their watch history right to then go back to say okay this piece within geometry, you're not clear on. So let's go back to that, right? So the platform actually has over 1.5 ish million videos that we call practical videos, which are video tutorials of specific problems, right? And then there's we have 17 courses of of actual STEM content, right? So we have this huge educator base of over 35,000 educators, roughly 70% of them are actual teachers, right? And, and, and a percentage of them are actual PhDs currently uh, TAing uh, within, you know, top colleges. And so, for example, one of our, one of our chemistry, one of our chemistry uh, courses is of uh, this, uh, this TA who's pursuing her chemistry PhD in Caltech. And she has a Hyundai 30 hour uh, uh, um, series of, of a whole entire chemistry course on the platform. So for us, the AI tutor is essentially a recommendation system now that shows the the user based on uh, how we infer you know with their learning, where their weaknesses are concept videos, practical videos, and also an AI quiz that's awesome so and I know the mission
1: is to kind of give access to this educational training. I believe you guys had just launched a program around Afghanistan.
0: Yes, you want to explain that Yes, right so we we have a program now where uh, refugees uh, uh, from Afghanistan who you know who who are in STEM or learning STEM can get numerate for free. You know I think that this um, that whole entire story resonates well. I mean I have a picture here um, of my mom's. Uh, so she was on a boat as similar a similar type of story. I think that imagery resonates very well. Um, where her student she was a teacher. Her student actually painted this picture of her on the boat with, with all the other folks um, leaving Vietnam. And so, you know, when we saw what happened there with Afghanistan, we realized, hey, we, had a, we have a huge responsibility to, to help out as much as we can with our, with our platform. And so, any student that, that needs help in, in STEM, uh, you know, can access the site for free. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, when you're serving different
1: countries and different cultures within the United States, beyond the United States, is do you have to tailor or think about the algorithm and the product differently? I mean, I imagine people generally learn the information in the same sequence, but that's not even probably a given. And I know the States doesn't have the highest ranked educational program. Some other countries might move faster. Um, how do you think about
0: you know, adapting totally. the product? Totally, totally. Um... You know, every single, every single, co- every single sorry, um, state does have its own unique curriculum. And so the way we're adapting is really through our educator base and also how we curate um, the curriculum. Right? So say, for example, Texas may have its own form of uh, core curriculum relative to you know, uh, California. And so we do have a system by which we can, we can curate the content into individual playlists. That is specific to um, the, the standards of, of a of a, of, a, of a state, right? And so, and the, and I'll say the other piece too is because we have educators from across America and around the world, um, they also bring about getting back to the human element of learning um, those uh, those standards uh, and ways of teaching that resonate well with that local community. Got it.
1: So, so you've got. Just enough volume of videos to adapt for different geography, maybe different cultural needs. Yeah. Uh, And are you doing
0: different language as well? Not yet. Uh, That's definitely on the roadmap. Right now, it's all English.
1: Okay. Now, let's talk about education because um, you're obviously deep in this. It feels like your whole personal story has led to this moment. By the way, yeah. Once you shared uh, your parents' backgrounds as well, it just feels like all roads for a couple of generations have been building to here. Um, How is the education you're closer to it than I am changing in the U.S. I mean, we just went through a pandemic. I know that had Mm -hmm. great effect. Um, What is happening in the U S market? Again, I know you're focused uh, in the business side on tutoring, um, but I'm interested to hear your broader perspective on education and how it's evolving in the U S
0: there. I think there's a short term evolution um, where there's a larger responsibility that we have as an organization. Um, but I think there's also a mid and longer term impact of, of COVID. I mean, clearly the adoption is, is the biggest one, right? So you have you have less of, um, you know, what, what COVID has provided, uh, especially nice. for parents, is a window into what is happening in the class. And I think what is clear is that, uh, depending on where you are, uh, you know, this is the case for me with my first grader, you see what was happening, you did see teaching towards the mean, because you had to, it, it was just a, it, it was just the case, it was a one to many type of, of teaching situation. So, you know, the, the current system or uh, of education has been outdated for the past 50 plus 100 years, it's a one to many model, that model, um, I think COVID has shined the light to say that it just doesn't make any sense at all. There's certain students that need more help, there's other students that don't need that much help, and they actually need to be accelerated on a different track, right? And, 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 and the current system doesn't really fit that mode. And so going forward, fast forward, it, it's happening now, you're seeing more parents take their students out of public school, homeschooling their students, right? Um, you're seeing a lot of that happen and what what we believe what's going to happen in the next, you know, 5 10 years is acceleration of of choice for for parents to understand and figure out okay where you know who 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 who, who you know what's the best educator for their student um, what, what's the type of content in which they can they, they can uh, they can receive but we believe that everything will be personalized in a way where every single student who wants to learn or needs to learn, say, pre-algebra, calculus, trigon- trigonometry can get that in a way that is highly personalized to them in these, mo- in these modules, right? So uh, think of a situation where um, a student in South Central LA who doesn't have access to an AP, uh, a computer science um, teacher, right, um, can, a- can mm-hmm. get that instruction, that's highly personalized to that student in and in, in, in get the credits they need as well. Now, granted, there's issues inherent in a lot of that too with uh, the digital divide and, and how much you can get from a hardware and Wi-Fi standpoint, but we believe the future of education is one that's gonna be highly personalized. Content will still be king, but it's really the best content. Being able, being able to tap into the minds and knowledge of the best educators, but also the best students, right? That, that actually have some insight into chickenometry. Capture that in a way that, that resonates with the student to continue that learning process over and over again is what we see the future to be. That's interesting. So if, if you, if you t- went internationally,
1: um, how does that change your business, right? You're based in LA, yeah. your content's in English, so obviously the language has to change. What else happens that's different for this is i'm asking this less for you and more as a case study for entrepreneurs listening or considering an international play yeah what do you need to do to be successful
0: going abroad yeah i think what's very important and this kind of gets back to what what's needed to be successful to even begin with i think it's i think it's team um i think having a localized presence is, is very critical um why why
1: do you need local people
0: there is these cultural nuances that is is, is hard to understand if, if you're not there, right? So, it, it, taking the case of China, you know, there's clearly going to be a lot of regulation. Um, you know, the there's different curriculums. Um, there's probably different go-to-market strategies too, right? In, in Europe, Southeast Asia, very similar, right? The type of things that you know students will be learning, um, different systems are going to be very different. And so, having that localized presence is is key. But it, what's even What's even more key is finding, um, you know, th- there's this interesting concept that, um, uh, Kiefer Boy, who's a, wh- you know, a, a big investor talks about a lot, which is the concept of barrels versus ammunition. You want to hire barrels in where these 10 Xers, those in which you, you bring on board who can be leaders can, who can drive market expansion into these different areas. And so I think key is you have to find great people who can be leaders in these, these regions and take it to the next level um, and think through all, all those cultural nuances. That's critical.
1: Okay. So the, the, the main tip of advice for folks would be hire local. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Expand your team locally. How do you definitely. do that well? Right. Even, you know, managing offshore teams, we have a couple businesses with international footprints. Yeah. There's cultural differences that management face. There's communication style. Yeah. There's different... Um, values yeah in some areas right some countries are less progressive how do you uh, any tips for navigating that or preparing for that at the very least i think it's
0: tough i I do think it starts with finding the right set of folks to be your your leaders in market Um, you have to be a lot first of all finding them is the hardest thing you know so finding them first that's kind of step number 1 and and to ensure you know th- during the interview process you're aligned in terms of value structure mission and, and culture um so it has to start there on you know when when folks come in um and then and then afterwards this is this is an operating cadence in which you have to ensure that you're aligned on a day-to-day basis against goals um and and our view you know we operate and this is really from working at Google being very metrics and data data focused we we're pretty we're pretty obsessed with data, and so if if um, you have to build an infrastructure to manage your operations, especially international, and using data as a way to understand the ebbs and flows of the market, um, to give you a level of comfort and and also a way to figure out what needs to be focused on internationally is is critical too. So your data infrastructure is going to be key. Any hiring tactics you've seen?
1: Something as simple as. You hire people who lived in the states for a while, so you have some commonplace, at least on the U.S. culture, or is that not the trick? What, what do you what do you look for?
0: I would say a lot of it is network, um, you know. So we have success um, with looking within our network um, to see who are these great candidates that we can tr- we trust who knows how to do it. Um, you know, we haven't we haven't really done much in terms of you know the, the normal routes of you know putting putting a uh, a job wreck out yet on. You know linkedin and such Mm -hmm. but you know we're going to experiment but a lot of it is is network right now
1: i guess what i'm asking is what what do you look for when you pick somebody oh gotcha for to to be a bridge to a new country
0: i think experience doing this before is probably the biggest one right so okay um, someone who's actually done this work um either consulting or working with a us-based company and has already done it Mm -hmm. one or two three times before I know these are rare folks to find, but if you find them, jump on them, and um, you know, put them on, put them onto your team ASAP. Um, so, taking all of this
1: in, you have great perspective on seeing different educational patterns. Uh, you have talked a little bit about what you're seeing in the pandemic. You're looking into the classroom and seeing how people are teaching to the mean. That's not good for any of the extremes. If you were king. How would you change the U.S.? What policies would you put in place? How would we go out and improve our educational system? I feel like most of us are here that we're bad in the news, but don't know what, what if anything, we could be doing.
0: Yeah. There, I think there's a component of, of learning that if I were the president and had some real authority to affect real change um, in, in a way for education, The approach that that I would take, there's really twofold. Um, There's one of just straight up learning, um, which, which, you know, mine and our our fundamental belief is one where you have a system that is driven by personalization, where um, the best teachers and educators um, who have the best mastery of the material, but the way in which they convey the material uh, resonates well. They can be um, that can be a one to many type of situation, right? Where they're they, they're either live streamed um, in in a broad capacity because you want to you want to leverage the best organic chemistry teacher and, and and push that to as many students as possible. At the same time, there also needs to be a, a TA type of system where there's there's teachers, uh, but they not they may not be the most charismatic, uh, right? But they know the the information inside and out they're there to help the student, very much like a tutoring situation. So it's essentially kind of mm. live streaming of the best educator and, and, and individualized tutoring in the school, right? Where um, you have these instant feedback loops that's built into their consumption of the content. And the TA has um, inputs by which the TA can then say, all right, uh, let me assess this from a student by student basis, right? So you have this this notion of, Let's scale out the best teachers to as many students as possible so that you don't have kind of this unequal distribution of best teachers reside in certain schools, right? But also at the same right. time, let's still cultivate these, these educators that we have and, and allow them to basically help their students in an indiv- individualized fashion, where technology is really the, the catalyst that brings everything together from an assessment standpoint. Um, that's, how, that's how we're- did the about-
1: kind of cat- didn't Khan Academy try to do this at a certain level? I remember seeing a 60 minutes where they flipped the, the structure of the classroom where the students watched the curriculum on the screen and the teacher acted like a tutor to more or less yeah. to kind of round out knowledge gaps, answer how questions. Is. Has that worked? Is that a, is that the better model
0: or. That, that is a better model. And, and Khan Academy really paved the way towards really the future, how flip learning should be. Right. Um, you know the the reality is you need a model where you can find the best teachers, and those the, the best teachers should should be you know there should be a constant flow of them that then scales out to as many students as possible. But that that is the right okay. model.
1: Now you said if you were president, but I asked if you were king, oh. <laughs> you would have uh, t- a twofold strategy. So that was fold one. What's the second piece of it?
0: You know, there's another element of, of kind of the social impacts as well. Meaning, uh, you know, you go to school. And you go to, I do believe like it, school does still have a place. Like, you know, I'm a parent, <laughs> I'm not a babysitter. And right now school is essentially babysitting, right? To, to a certain extent. Um, And so parents want their kids in school, Um, you know, largely because, you know, that, that piece there of, 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 of you know, the parents have stuff to do every single day, but there's also the social elements of, of school that, that is good. There's good and bads of it right and so it, it's crazy we saw yesterday facebook's takedown that's incredible six hours of just disruption and um it's interesting but you know what has happened there completely wild yeah <laughs> um you know what happens in the playground could be good or bad um, we need to figure out ways in which we can continue with with reinforcing the good on how humans can interact with each other right it, it's crazy because my son is in second grade. As he gets into third, fourth, fifth grade, his influence will be um, his, his peer set that's going to influence his value structure, his habits, but right, his way of thinking. Um, and so I'd say the second part is figuring out, and we ha- I haven't really thought like crack this piece yet, which is, you know, how do you actually build a system by which students can actually still learn to interact with each other? uh, build friendships, learn leadership. Maybe, maybe it could be these extracurriculars. Like my son goes to basketball, he's learning discipline, he's learning leadership, he's learning teamwork, um, you know, th- that type of stuff. And so, um, it could be extracurriculars, right? Like you, you actually fund that more and allow every single student, you know, the ability to, to go to a, a, a basketball practice, you know, um, and not have to, and not have to pay for it or something like that. It could be super interesting to round out that extracurricular piece.
1: Last couple of questions here. Okay, you've been at this. I know Numerade's going to be big. Um, we're investors in the company. We're big fans of what you're doing. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where's all this going?
0: Right. 10 years from now, every single student in the world will have an access to her own tutor in the form of an AI tutor that's, that's uh, deeply relevant um, and help that student along her whole entire academic journey from elementary school through college and grad school right um that's really where we want to get to um and, and that's what does way.
1: that mean for society for, if is yeah. kind of maxing
0: out you know th- this this gets to this this uh this notion of you know in the entrepreneurial journey is very similar to this as well where and i think we're biologically wired this way where um y- y- Individuals need to stretch themselves uh, as much as they can because that unlocks these biological mechanisms that activate certain DNA, right? And so on the, the STEM track is very hard, very hard. You need support along that whole entire journey. Um, some students are extremely smart. They may have the resources they need as well to continue and, to be a, and accelerate on that track, but the majority of students do not. If you're able to provide students with this type of support early days, then the output of that is a realization of potential in a way where it leads towards an advancement of of humanity at large, right? So a lot of the problems that we face, climate change, all these things, um, the intent is that you would reduce a lot of those issues, but you have a a faster acceleration of just overall innovation, right? And so um, I look forward to that day (laughs) and I hope that we'll have a small piece in that to help accelerate that.
1: You're, you're hitting on something that's a very important theme. We just interviewed a gentleman named Z, who's the president of the Committee of 100, which is a Chinese American um, organization. And he, in the end of the conversation, and I think it's getting released fairly soon, made the point that the number one uh, threat to the US from China isn't military advancement, it's not, it's economic prowess. It's that the parents there are investing and training the next generation at a level that we are not ready for. So they are going to be out operating, out educated, out educating us, the whole thing. Yeah. So this concept that you're saying about, you know, really investing in the future and driving it, it it's interesting that, you know, whether, well, there's all, fair, fair questions around relevance. the relevance of competition at some point, but it might be the frontier of the battlefield for what we're really talking yeah. about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you look at a, a recent McKinsey report on the impact of COVID on uh, an unfinished, unfinished learning. Um, it says that by 2024, the cohort that has been impacted the most right now, from an unfinished learning standpoint is going to, is going to lead towards a, a GB, GDP decline of, of 150 to $200 billion. Um, you know, this, this is definitely an issue of just general, just national security for the U S uh, being able to, you know focus our students on, you know, the subjects that, and and, and the studies that actually will drive innovation in in a big way. So, you know, China's definitely got it right on on that regard. Um, So yeah, 100% agreed.
1: Last question for you. You've been an entrepreneur for a long time and have had a lot of different experiences. We didn't even talk about the food truck. (laughs) Okay. So you have a diverse set of entrepreneurial experiences on your belt. What's the most important lesson you've learned As an entrepreneur, for the folks listening, what would be the one
0: tip you could give folks that's maybe not cliche? You know, (laughs) I would say um, it it is kind of cliche, but it's real uh, because you know this entrepreneurship uh, and this journey is a grind. It's it's not easy. Um, You know, there's days in which you you want to continue to do this, as days in which you question yourself. um, But it all lines back to Getting, getting a solid purpose and why of why you're doing it, right? Because that's, that's really the, the pull. You don't want to push it. You want something to pull you forward. And having really that strong why and that purpose is, is how you can, as an entrepreneur, get yourself to do these hard things. Um, and as you do that, you realize that growth happens you know, for your company, but then also yourself you know, getting back to stretching yourself. And biologically, we're wired to, you know, to look for, um, not look for, but, uh, when discomfort happens, we actually grow as a result of that, right? Different, different DNA gets activated. And so the, the process of being an entrepreneur is a hard one, but what pulls you is that purpose. Um, so that's, that's key. I think having a firm understanding of, of why you're getting into it is it, critical. Um, because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a hard journey, hard grind. And it continues to be so every single day is, is a challenge. And you have to be uncomfortable. You have to be comfortable with this this type of discomfort on a day-to-day basis. And purpose is the only way that, 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 that pulls you there. Well, your purpose is clear.
1: Your background makes it very obvious. And your mission is very inspiring. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thanks for being on today.
0: Thank you, Mark. And by the way, hey, hey, thanks thanks, thanks to you too. Uh, If uh, it wasn't because of you, Numerate would actually never happen. (laughs) Right? So we we were part of the Columbia Venture community, and I met Alex, my co-founder, through that network. So much love. That's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. That's like what
1: you said. You get those testimonials where you're like, wow, what I was doing had an impact. Thank you. It's very cool. Hey, Nan, awesome. Very inspiring. Keep it up. We all need you. Do this.
0: Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it.
1: I love chatting with entrepreneurs who are working on such inspiring missions. Thank you, Nan, for taking time to be on the show. This is where I ask you to help out the podcast. If you don't mind, give us a like, a five-star review, tell your friends. Hope everyone's doing well. Thank you.